0: Coming up on Medical Minefield, the Mail on Sunday's investigation into the rise in testosterone prescriptions for women.
1: A lot of the doctors that I spoke to have called it a trend, and that women are looking to people like Davina McCall, and they want to be like them.
2: You know, they want what they're having, just boom.
0: And on the same subject, Dr Charlotte Norton.
2: I think that women are becoming more and more informed about their health and what's available. And with our patients, we certainly see a really good effect of adding testosterone into their therapy.
0: Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman.
3: And I'm Eve Simmons.
0: And we're health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts. So you don't have to.
3: This week, why are so many menopausal women taking testosterone?
0: As ever, we'd like to know what you think. So if you have a question or a suggestion for us at Medical Minefield, tweet us at MedMinefield. Eve, it's a very good question. Why are so many women taking testosterone? Do you have any idea?
3: Well, some people have said that it's all because of Davina McCall.
0: Well, you're not wrong. To rewind, a couple of years back, Davina McCall made a documentary. And in that documentary, and then subsequently one in 2022, she mentioned that she used testosterone gel. Uh, Testosterone is the male sex hormone, but women... Naturally, produce some of it too, and there's a school of thought that part of HRT for the menopause should include testosterone, which can be rubbed on as as a gel, and it ups your own natural levels for women.
3: And Davina modelled it, didn't she? On her Instagram, it went crazy because she showed the tube and where she puts it.
0: And she, yeah, so she stripped, she flashed a leg, flashed a leg, and uh, uh, an interesting tattoo. And um, she said, "Don't worry, girls, it doesn't make you grow a penis." So you know, I mean, obviously that's that's the big concern if you if you're going to up your testosterone. That levels. is
3: that is the main concern. I
0: mean, if you take too much testosterone in your man, it makes your balls shrink and your hair drop out. But you know, who knows what it's going to do to to a lady? Am I allowed to say lady?
3: Um, I don't know. What do you think is the definition of <laughs> <laughs> a woman? I think it's quite
0: easy to say. However. So there's been the Davina effect and pharmaceutical journal published a report last Friday saying there has been a a tenfold increase in the last five years. In one month alone last year, almost 5,000 women were prescribed testosterone. So, so more than 50,000 prescriptions for testosterone a year. And that's just on the NHS. It's not easy to get testosterone prescriptions on the NHS because it's quite strict. It can only be prescribed for low libido specifically and private menopause doctors for years have been prescribing it for a, a wider range of things, including general feelings of flatness and fatigue and memory problems. So the the true number of women on testosterone is, is probably far, far higher than even the Pharmaceutical Journal report suggests.
3: It's interesting, isn't it? Because for years, women have been calling for the female equivalent to Viagra, something that's going to give them the same effect that, you know, a man gets. And so could testosterone be that?
0: Well, it's interesting you say that because what the, the other thing that Pharmaceutical Journal uncovered, and we have a report on this in, in the Mail on Sunday this weekend, is that women aren't getting it prescribed for that however they're exchanging information online telling each other tell your GP you have low libido and they'll give it to you and then all your other problems will improve you'll get your vavavoom back you'll feel energetic and be more like Davina I presume if that's what the goal is.
3: But presumably you can't be prescribed just testosterone you have to also have oestrogen
0: Yes, yeah, so I think that women are on the full works of HRT, and I, I've seen these uh, private menopause clinic HRT regimes, and and they include oestrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. So it's it's a whole cocktail. Of, so how would you hormones. know if your
3: Vavavoom and Pep has come from the testosterone specifically or the oestrogen?
0: Well, I I know that they test levels. To be honest, the actual answer is that I do not know. However, in the studio today, we have someone who might be able to shed some light. Sarah Hartley, the Mail on Sunday's travel editor, who is currently on testosterone.
4: I am indeed. And it was a couple of years ago, actually, I had an HRT review and my consultant was asking me questions about
0: how I was
4: and how it was doing. And I told him that a lot of my physical symptoms had vanished, the aching joints, the tiredness. But I said I was still feeling slightly as if there were, as if I, just flat, as if I was receding in life. I'd lost my get up and go. And he called it joie de vivre, which I, I think he was talking about libido. And he said, why don't you try some testosterone? And so I started that. And it's, it hasn't done anything for my libido at all. That was not an issue in the first place. But what it has given me back is a feeling, a sense of feeling more alive. I definitely feel back in the race. I definitely don't feel middle-aged. That said, I don't feel like I'm, I'm a gym addict or I'm suddenly going to run marathons and show off my and,
0: abs. And I take it you haven't grown a penis?
4: Not yet. Um, but there it, are it other side a worry. effects aren't there. there, that, it is, there is a worry. You, you you know it does mention that you will become more hirsute, and certainly where where you are advised to apply the testosterone, which in my case is, is across the the lower stomach, and so where you're told to apply the gel, you definitely get hair growth, which obviously you, you can have well, you removed. That? We have it removed when well, you're wa- you're see, Yeah, absolutely. Right. When you're seeing your beauty therapist, that's just another area to <laughs> to, to tackle.
0: And and I've heard as well, uh, people get acne zitty.
4: That's not happened to me. I mean, I can, I, I imagine. And again, my my consultant said to me, it is more of an art form. He said, it you may it may not agree with you, or it may give you something. So, it, it's definitely an art as to how much you use. I apply it three times a week, certainly no more. And it's it for me, it's it's worked wonders. Of course, I was concerned that I was going to get aggressive and and suddenly, you know, feel incredibly. Different.
0: can, can I ask so of course. you you said that it was an art to getting it right. So mm. and and you apply it uh I mean do you do take it every day or No,
4: three times a
0: week. But do some people take it every day?
4: I don't know. I'm sure different
0: consultants
4: prescribe different but so things.
0: To answer Eve's question, it seems that it's prescribed purely on symptoms. And in fact, that just rings a bell. You can test people's levels of hormones, but because they fluctuate so much anyway, during the day, during someone's mm. time of life, to do with stress, mm. etc. They're not actually the best measure of anything. And so with all HRT, generally, it is prescribed on symptoms alone. But there are concerns among specialists that too many women are taking it inappropriately, that in fact they're being exposed to the risks of I mean, what is effectively a steroid without there being any clear evidence of benefit. And in fact, lots of people who take it, it could be a it could be a psychosomatic benefit, it could be mm. a, a placebo effect. Because I mean, no no trial has proven what you're saying. The reason that it's it's only available for libido is because that's the only thing that they've ever really been able to prove in terms of a benefit to women.
3: Can I just ask how long, I don't know, Sarah, how long are you supposed to take it for?
0: I would imagine that I will take it for as long as
4: I take HRT. So it's it's mm. part of the three, it's the third hormone as part of HRT. So there's the estradiol and there's the progesterone, which is taken at night, and then the the testosterone. And I wouldn't be without it. It's, mm. it's definitely made more effective than the other two it's
3: not going to be longer than say I don't know five years or something like that
4: I don't know I mean you get you will find some women online if you read about it that will be taking it well into their 70s and of course you then get into the sort of scary statistics of women who say that once you stop HRT of course all the symptoms of the menopause come back so there isn't great incentive to stop feeling good
0: hmm well, you're obviously a fan of testosterone. Before we go any further, let's talk to our reporter, Joe McFarlane, who has been looking into the Davina effect on testosterone this week for the Mail on Sunday. Joe, thanks for joining us. We're talking about your investigation into why so many women are taking testosterone. Why are so many women taking testosterone? And is it a problem? Huh. Well, that's the big
1: question, isn't it? And I suppose the answer really depends on who you're asking. There are lots of self-styled menopause campaigners out there who would tell you that women aren't getting access to what they desperately need, that they have a hormone deficiency that is a natural part of aging, but that it can be corrected if only they could get access to the right hormones, one of those being testosterone. I think we're all familiar with um, HRT, which replaces depleting estrogen and progesterone um, when it comes to the menopause. And now the argument is that testosterone, which also declines between a woman's 20s and her 40s, should also be replaced. And why aren't we getting access to it? Mm. But there are experts who would say that far too many women are being given it and that actually the numbers who would benefit are sort of a relatively small group and that is fundamentally um, the answer to the second part of the question mm. you know some women are getting it when they don't need it and of course the last thing you want to do is overtreat in any part of the sort of medical community
0: really Um, and what were the downsides of being overtreated receiving testosterone when when there was no benefit because i I presume there are some risks like any medication
1: There are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, too much testosterone means that um, you can develop excess body hair in lots of places where you don't really want it. Uh, You can have greasy skin, you can get acne. You can actually have some voice changes. Your voice can deepen, it can get croakier, you know, become a bit more manly. Wow. Things like male pattern baldness, even. You can lose hair from the top of your head and accumulate it elsewhere in places where you've never had it before. And then there's kind of really awful conditions, um, one called clitoromegaly, where your clitoris becomes enlarged and incredibly sensitive.
0: So Davina is wrong. You can grow a penis.
1: (laughs) If you take too much testosterone, you can grow a mini penis, as I'm sure female to male transsexuals will tell you.
0: Yeah, because I was going to say, I mean, taking testosterone is something that trans men do isn't it they they take a large amount and that yeah. makes their voice drop and it makes their them look more manly etc
1: absolutely yeah i mean if you're taking the right amount of testosterone and by right amount i mean a level that is sort of commensurate with where your levels would have been pre menopause mm. then you're not talking about it causing any problem at all that's a natural level of testosterone uh, it's safe to take we know that the levels that you need as a woman are significantly lower than you would take say as a trans man or even as a a bodybuilding man who's taking excess testosterone to build himself up in the gym Mm. Uh, but as we know that can lead to other problems that's linked to things like heart attacks and strokes
0: I mean, all of this is is very chemistry set. And when I I was talking to you you about this before, uh, you know, it reminded me of years ago, I was doing a report into information exchanges on bodybuilding forums where they, they tell each other how to take this type of steroid stacked with this type of steroid and then take this hormone blocker to counteract that side effect and you know I mean, they, they call it stacking and cycling and they'll be on five six seven eight different drugs and of course as we know with the wrestlers and bodybuilders many of them in later life then go on to have heart attacks and other cardiovascular strokes and heart attacks and, and problems like that which I, I, I presume they would see as a, a trade-off for looking buff
1: Yes, yes, I'm sure. And a similar thing really is going on with testosterone. I mean, a lot of the doctors that I spoke to this week have called it a fashion, a trend, and that women are looking to, you know, their gurus, people like Davina McCall and other menopause campaigners, and they want to be like them. You know, they want what they're having. Do
0: women want to be like Davina?
1: I think they want her energy. I think a lot of women get to a midlife point, you know, menopause or not, and feel a bit knackered, a bit weighed down, you know, um, lacking in libido, perhaps a bit depressed. Um, you know, who hasn't felt a bit like that? And Davina looks opposite to that, doesn't she?
3: I think she's hit that sort of very specific market of relatable person of a certain age who looks amazing. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah, she's definitely not fading into the background.
3: No, but she's also a sort of girl next door type. You know, she's not completely out of this world, somebody who you wouldn't see going around a posh supermarket.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, granted. Joe,
3: I'm interested. Have you spoken to women who take testosterone? And if so, what have they said are the benefits?
1: I did when I, we did the original piece and they were evangelical about it. They said that it cleared their brain fog, that they could concentrate again. I mean, the words that kept coming back time and time again were va-va-voom. Women felt that it had given them their va voom mm. back. So mm. actually, libido, which is the one thing that it is recommended for, and which there's a really good evidence base for it helping to improve, was sort of you know really on a bit of a side shelf when it came to the benefits i mean really it was Mm. the sort of mental health benefits it was mood and overall well-being benefits Um, but that in itself is a little bit controversial i mean doctors say that there's a huge placebo effect when it comes to this kind of stuff Mm. particularly if you have as we have in this country lots of private menopause specialists telling women how much it's going to benefit them before Mm -hmm. they actually get given it Mm. All the trials show that if there's going to be a benefit, you're going to get it within, well, four weeks is when they should start and would peak about three months. And yet there are women saying, you know, within days, my life was transformed. It's all better now. And I mean, that is not borne out by any gold standard randomised controlled trial anywhere. Mm. But the placebo effect is.
0: I think Sarah had a question just before we go.
4: Yes, I wanted to know after all your investigations whether you would actually take HRT yourself, Joe.
1: Well I'm obviously far too young. Absolutely. (laughs) No no I mean it's something that I am staring at not too Mm. far down the line I'm 43 Mm. so of course it's something that is of interest to me. Mm. Would I take it I think if a medical doctor told me that I would benefit from it then absolutely I would Mm. but I think I would certainly keep an eye on how it was affecting my body what was having a benefit for me, really, Mm. I suppose. Um, I mean, I wouldn't rule it out, absolutely not. Mm. But I'd certainly be rather cynical over doctors that, told me very clearly what the benefits would be I think the best way to approach it with any patient is to tell them that nothing is guaranteed to work and that these things do require quite a lot of tweaking Mm. the thing about menopause is that one size doesn't fit all and unfortunately that's the way that testosterone in particular is being sold Mm. and I think that is what's problematic not every woman will benefit from it some will some will not and yet everybody now seems to want it
0: well, Joe, thanks very much for taking some time out to explain all this to us.
3: You're very welcome. Nice to speak to you all. Can I ask a question? Sure. What is Vavavoom? And do I have it? How do you know if you have it? it was, How do you know if it's gone?
0: It was from that, that Oh, you know it when was you've it, lost it. Wasn't it that car advert with Thierry Henry? Oh, yeah. My Vavavoom.
3: Yeah. No, you would know it. it, it, it it's... Now I'm it's... worried I don't have enough vavavoom. <laughs> but that but that's the thing
4: you definitely know if you'd lost your vavavoom. And the point is that when you take testosterone, it does make you feel as if you're back in the race. It, I agree with what Joe said about the fog clearing and about just feeling a bit sharper and the ability to concentrate. Mm. That is not psychological. That is something that is borne out by my working day mm. and my approach to my working day mm. uh, and my life in general. And
0: you, you said when, when we've talked about this, you mm. said that you notice because you you don't take it every day. You notice when you have taken it that you feel slightly different to when you. Absolutely. Take it you it, take
4: it. It's a very subtle difference, but it's definitely there. And I definitely feel more energetic. It, it's the equivalent of having an extra cup of coffee in the day, I would say.
0: When I've talked to male journalists in the office about this this week, they've all joked, oh, can I have some too? But, you know, in fact, we know that when men take additional testosterone, there are all kinds of negative side effects that affects your body in certain ways that you probably don't want. Um, but
3: it does help with morning erections. Oh
0: yes, do you remember the morning <laughs> erections, Scott? I yep. loved him. That's it was it. a specific conversation that I had with a friend of mine in his fifties about this earlier this week, and and we came to the conclusion actually, you do lose your vavavoom. Physically, you decline as you age. I'm 43, Absolutely. and yes. I am never going to be as vavavumi as I was when I was 20. Not that I was sprinting at that time anyway. I was never one of those guys. But is there something to, like, just give it a rest? Do you no, know? What I mean? Absolutely no? not.
4: No, I disagree. Because what what you're not saying, what most women are, are taking testosterone are not going to end up like Davina. They're not going to be sex addicts, or not that she is a gym <laughs> addict or, or an addict of any sort. But the point is that you start to feel as you remember feeling, it's it's getting but, you back to a baseline. It's a replacement. But
0: I remember feeling much more youthful. But I'm not that anymore. I'm creakier and older. And there is a big part of you that resists it. I mean, what's what the hell is wrong? It's, it kind of falls into this whole vibe of anti-aging, mm. and I don't want to get sucked into it because you cannot help aging. It's one of the inevitabilities. But
4: you can help aging well and healthfully and but feeling well is that
0: well. really tinkering with your hormone levels
4: yes Otherwise, oh, you know, that, uh, I think it's, it's to do with
3: your lifestyle, isn't it? Whatever, whatever fits in with the lifestyle that you wish to have at a time in your life. My personal choice of lifestyle at the age of thirty-one is sitting at home a lot and um, watching lots of strange documentaries on YouTube. Well, you should
0: just slide some of your hormones over to. Yeah, just slip, else. slip some over. Slip I'll some give. Over. I'll give them all away. Don't you worry. Well, ne- next, let's hear from a doctor who does prescribe testosterone to women.
3: On the line now is Dr Charlotte Norton, who runs a specialist menopause clinic and prescribes testosterone to women. Dr Norton, can you explain to us what kind of benefits you think you see in women when you prescribe testosterone?
2: Hi, yeah, absolutely. Testosterone forms a key part of the treatment that we offer. You know, it's a very important sex hormone for women. And lots of the time we think of testosterone purely for the benefits of our sexual desire and our libido. But Actually, it's got more profound and widespread effects on women than than that with regards to our patients one of the the key things that we see is a real boost in their sort of self confidence their self esteem that sort of feeling of vitality get up and go for the day we also see quite a big improvement in things like their cognition through the menopause women get a lot of brain fog word finding difficulties forget what they're doing and and testosterone does form an important part of improving that as well and it's sort of energy levels we know it helps to boost our energy levels the production of our red blood cells it helps to prevent loss of our bone structure as well so you know with our patients we certainly see a really good effect of, of adding testosterone into their therapy
3: Have you seen more of an increase in demand for testosterone in the last, say, kind of year or so due to the Davina effect, as it's being
2: called? But yeah well I think that women are becoming more and more informed about their health and what's available and as part of our service we do a blood test so our patient's coming to us because they want to know about the possibilities of treatment but we often also identify through our patient pathway patients that, that, that have a lack of testosterone which naturally brings that conversation around even if it's something that they maybe didn't know about.
0: Can I just ask, Dr. Norton, you, you talk about the tests that you mm-hmm. do. So I presume that when mm-hmm. women come to you, that's the first time you've seen them. You, you don't know what their previous testosterone levels were.
2: No, we don't have a direct connection with their GP or their NHS providers.
0: They're unlikely to have had their testosterone levels checked anyway. But yes. So, I mean, really your baseline is whatever they are during perimenopause or menopause. Mm-hmm. And I guess my question is, how do you know that they are low in testosterone? by a test. I haven't heard people talking about looking for levels in order to prescribe but I'd heard it was prescribed on symptoms
2: um so it's a combination so i mean there there are some great guidelines by the british menopause society which are a really useful tool for clinicians who who prescribe testosterone so very much we go on the patients having characteristic signs and symptoms so history taking is obviously of great importance to us as clinicians and often tells us what's going on and then blood tests and blood work can help to sort of agree with those suspicions so we do a baseline um total testosterone blood test in the women that we treat But for the vast majority, you're usually aware of what it's likely to show from the symptoms.
0: I'm aware that the BMS are in line with the NICE recommendation, aren't they? That, you know, testosterone is for low libido.
2: Yes, well, that's what the guidelines say absolutely. It says if you tried the standardized treatment of estrogen and progesterone, and
0: there's problems with libido, then you could look at testosterone. yeah, yeah. but you're talking about prescribing it for a whole range of other things, which obviously we we know that the private doctors are able to do. Mm-hmm. Do you then refer your patients back to their gps and do they then get testosterone? On the NHS?
2: So it opens a conversation. So, with all patients that that we treat, we write a, a letter to their GPs to tell them the therapy that we have prescribed. And then some patients choose to have that discussion with their GPs about converting their treatment over. But obviously, it very much depends on the patient's GP. It depends on the local formulary, whether the relevant formulations are available. So personally, we tend to see a lot of patients remain on our treatment and care. But obviously, it, uh, this is private practice. So those who want to have access back to the NHS type care, then we'll always work in conjunction with patients to get them the best possible outcome.
0: So so do you get GPs saying no to a, an NHS prescription of testosterone to your patients?
2: In our patient flow, we often tend to see patients that have already had that discussion and then have come to us in in the private sector because they're unable to access it. From the get-go, there is the odd patient that once they've started established treatment and feel the benefits that want to reopen that discussion with their GP to see if it could be something that they could consider to to prescribe.
0: We've just seen loads of reports online of patients saying that, Mm. you know, they were prescribed it by a private menopause doctor and then tried to get it from their GP and their GP said no and they're distressed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that must be a story that you've heard.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It, it is. I mean, we, we, we even see it with regards to patients seeking the other sex hormones, things like progesterone treatment for patients that have had a, a hysterectomy. So there can often be a lot of difficulties of, of women accessing the broad, full range of, of the sex hormones. And yes, it, it you know, it is a shame given that there are formulations available, although on licensed use, there are formulations available for women to use testosterone they're not all are able to access it. And I think what we see from our patients and what we know about testosterone is it has far more widespread beneficial effects on women than simply just libido. So it's a bit of a blindsided or a narrow window for for consideration.
0: About that, Mm. I mean, obviously, uh, there's a lot to be said for anecdotal observations like that. And, uh, you know, Mm. patients being happy is a a wonderful thing for a clinician. But most randomised controlled trials have shown no benefit in these other areas, which Mm. is why there is no NHS prescription outside of low libido. Do you ever feel concerned that you're prescribing outside certain parameters and in fact exposing women to risks of a medication, you know, a hormone, a steroid without actually any real benefit? If, if the benefit really is a placebo, like the clinical trials have shown, does that not concern you?
2: I mean, I guess we sort of a- approached it in two types of ways. So the service that we've been offering we've got a long-standing history of, of, of patients having effectiveness so we obviously use that to inform our treatment decisions
0: yeah but that's not a clinical control trial no, and we're talking no, about serious not. drug here aren't we
2: yeah absolutely well we're talking about so when we are giving testosterone or any hormone replacement we're helping to bring them back to physiological levels we aren't trying to give above and beyond the amount of hormone that the body would require so we're very much trying to help people replace what has been lost a hormone that's naturally been occurring in their body up until the point that it started to become deplete
0: but you don't know i mean those levels you know i mean any endocrinologist will tell you that that levels fluctuate constantly even yeah, if you take a, a snapshot at the time of that first appointment you don't know what their mm-hmm. natural levels were before you don't know what their highest levels would be normally you don't know what their levels might fluctuate to say between that appointment and the follow up appointment so i mean most people say that going by levels is not the right way with any hrt no
2: no and that, and that isn't how we we use it diagnostically but we use their symptom control so you have to
0: go by the clinical trials really or you're you're acting outside of evidence
2: yeah, so our patients, we do have that discussion with patients. We, we fully discuss that at the moment that the usage of testosterone, the usage of the hormones can be unlicensed. And we explain to them what that means. And we give them the decision, all of the information to make their best informed decision. Obviously, as a service, we wouldn't want to do undue harm. And we certainly wouldn't prescribe things that we didn't feel the benefits to the patients would outweigh any potential risk. And we follow our patients up very intensively. Patients speak to us on a monthly basis about how they're progressing, how their symptoms are going. We monitor our patients and work as closely with them. Testing has a, an initial role and we do do annual blood testing, full panels of blood. We don't just simply look at hormones, but you know it, that's just part of giving women all the information to make an informed choice and using what evidence, albeit limited, that we have to help yeah. guide them.
0: And do you explain to them that you just do not know what the long-term effects of giving women additional testosterone are. Are they made fully aware?
2: Absolutely. as part of our consultation. It's within all our patient literature. It's, it's important to us that we offer a, an upfront and clear service. So yes, our, our patients are fully aware of that. And it's then for them to make that informed decision, whether they wish to, to go forward with the treatment.
0: And as a doctor, do you ever feel like you are concerned? Because I mean, obviously, we've seen the long term effects of people taking large amounts of steroids on men, mm-hmm. particularly cardiovascular problems. We don't know what it's going to do to women to even take a, a small dose. So my question is, do you ever stand back and think, oh, God, this is all a bit experimental?
2: No, I, I think experimental probably is the wrong term to use in that regard. But yes, it's my belief and the belief of my t- my team that what we are doing is is enabling patients to restore their feelings of health and well-being and therefore I wouldn't prescribe anything that I felt that concerned about and I think it's all about using the what we have available to us to give patients all the information to make the best decision for them we know that other countries are, we can use their data we know australia licenses the treatment of testosterone in women we know that there is a change you know happening with what treatment is is available to patients so all we can hope is that as we move forward that we start to see more and more data that will support what we are hoping to achieve
0: well fingers crossed thanks very much for finding some time to talk to us
2: thank you very much for having me
0: was i a bit harsh
4: no, no, you, you no, asked the I right thought, questions. Yeah. And she came back. She didn't act. I was expecting
3: far stronger answers from her. She remained quite calm, which I was impressed with. Mm.
0: <laughs> but, but I mean, the, the fact is that this is all a massive experiment. Yeah. I'm feeling
4: slightly more guinea pig-like now.
0: What she's saying is the amount of testosterone that's being given, we hope, or they hope, isn't pushing you to supra-physiological levels. It's
3: simply However, restoring what you've lost.
0: That's absolute BS. I'm sorry, but the the idea that that you can know what you've lost mm. or what a normal level is—I mm. mean, I've had my hormones checked multiple times, and the levels fluctuate massively just depending on the hour of the day. Mm. And this replace what you've lost thing—this th- mm. is Davina effect kind of ging-o-ism. But should there not it's, be a range? Not...
4: But with blood count and everything else like that, shouldn't yes, there be a range? Yes, so that if you dip down normal, to minus. Whatever, surely, if you're then given testosterone to get yourself up within normal range,
0: because you have that in lots of other conditions. However, you'd expect people to fall outside of those ranges. They're very broad guidelines. There's like a normal average, and then there's so in men, a testosterone level of about seven is normal, Mm -hmm. but you could be at fourteen, you could be at three, and still be in a normal range because you have to also look at the the overall it's, well, symptomatic yep. testosterone deficiency in men is mm. going to cause all kinds of health problems, growth problems, mm. etc. But if a man has normal beard hair growth, if a man has a normal height and physique, etc., it's unlikely that they are deficient in any way. So, the idea of a normal is is okay. Very but amorphous. if you if
4: if you're saying that the ranges are between seven and and whatever, if you're consistently showing up as naught, then that's the time to replace it, surely.
0: Consistently, yes, presumably, but I don't think there's a massive evidence base, and I don't think you would be at naught. Because that that would mean you had zero production of your own, and and that presumably would be some kind of disorder. I'm not an endocrinologist, so no. You know, and but, wouldn't
3: you pre- presumably you'd have to test people before they about disease before they enter into the menopause? You'd have to know, understand yeah, what the, they're the idea of replacing yeah.
0: what's lost. I think is BS. I you know I I just do not believe in that whatsoever. Um, Sorry, I'll Dr. give you another example, Sarah. Uh, I, I was told a story this week about a woman who had been on this higher dose than normal, so she'd mm. been given a sachet and she'd been told to use it probably three times as fast as is recommended Mm. she had a testosterone of of something like 12 um the normal range for a man as i said is seven Mm. it was a part of a whole catalog a whole shit show that she was involved in but it can push you up to higher levels and this is just rubbing a gel on every day you know Mm. so you you've got to be really careful with tinkering the but doctor's... presumably
4: she was having side effects that showed that, that it was too much for her.
0: Well, she wasn't having any of the, uh, you know, she wasn't having any of the ones we'd listed. Um, however, she was suffering from a whole range of other things right. uh, related probably to her entire, as I say, shit show of an HRT prescription. Yes. My point is that it's it's this big chemistry set, isn't it? And the idea that that you could say to a patient that you've made them aware of... The lack of data or blah blah blah. I think the thing is, people see Davina saying, "I rub mine on every day. Look at me, I'm exercising." Blah blah blah. They don't hear any of that. No, stuff. of course not. I mean, it sounds like your I think you're has being very uh, yeah.
4: And he has said that it's an art form, not a yep. not a direct science. But I think you're also being very patronising to a lot of women who I think really are not only wanting to to feel better and feel healthier and sharper. I think Davina is one part of the jigsaw, and I think she's encouraged women to pursue HRT and to say you don't have to feel rubbish and jaded. You can actually feel more alive and sharper. Hmm. Here's how. But I don't think women are so disillusioned with their own lives that they feel that suddenly they're going to turn into, you know, packing the abs and, and exercising until they're faint, I think women just want to feel a bit more like them, old
3: self. But is it fair that there's private, I mean, essentially, it's you know, they're just, private they're, s- they're selling you something based on evidence that is, let's be honest, scant. And so what do you do in that situation? And and a bit like Barney said, you know, saying things like very vague statements, like the evidence isn't concrete and we'd still need more data. And, you know, mm-hmm. that doesn't really mean anything to a lay person. It just, all you hear is, oh, well, I could take this and it could give me a six pack and make me, you know, want to jump into bed with my husband.
0: People have it in their minds what they want this drug for. And it ain't necessarily what that drug does
4: but they will discover that. I mean, it will do what it does for you. And it's, it it isn't one size fits all. And it won't agree with women. And they'll stop taking it if it suddenly doesn't work for them.
3: I think the problem is, though, you get some... It's very difficult when the benefits or supposed benefits... I'm not saying for you, Sarah, no. but for maybe for some other women. Uh, you know, feeling a little bit more energised, feeling like, you know, you've got your spring in your step again, whatever that may be. There's multiple reasons why a woman could start to feel like that. And what tends to happen with these kinds of things, and we see it a lot in nutrition science, Mm. that patients will maybe experience a sort of a supposed benefit that could be possibly, probably a a placebo effect and then go telling all their friends that I felt so much better. And then you you, you expect that you're going to get a great benefit because, you know, Marjorie Next Door did.
4: I mean, and I think the care of duty from medical doctors, uh, such as the consultant I see, is huge. So before I started taking HRT, he insisted I have a mammogram, mm. so that it was measurable mm. in a year's time to see if there'd been any effect on the tissues in the breast, yeah. and that was just taking at that point oestrogen and progesterone. Yeah. So there, there is careful monitoring to be done when you are taking HRT. If you're you're being reviewed annually by a responsible. Medical professional. I mean,
3: that's what we say with everything, you know, with the antidepressants debate as well, that, you know, there shouldn't really be anything wrong with GPs prescribing antidepressants. But the key is that patients must be monitored.
0: More help on the NHS, maybe. But, you know, there's only so much the NHS can do. And, you know, I I don't know if they can support all these, uh, every woman in the world to take testosterone.
3: Maybe it should be available over the counter.
4: Well, the HRT, once the HRT certificate, the annual certificate comes in, you pay £200 a year. So imagine every time I'm getting testosterone, progesterone and, and gel, I'm paying separate £9.35. So you're looking at nothing short of, you know, £36, mm. pounds probably a month.
0: Well, Not bad. And asthmatics, sorry, you're still <laughs> yeah. going to have to pay for your medication Epileptics, to help you breathe. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that's all we've got time for. You can read all about this thorny issue in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in newspaper format on mailplus.co.uk or on the Mail app.
3: We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.